We're going to continue in the book of Acts, chapter number 5. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. And while you're turning there, you can probably even turn one chapter back to Acts chapter 4. Because I, I want to go back into Acts chapter 4 and just touch base with what we spoke about last week. Biblical boldness, now biblical generosity. And Jesus spent more time talking about money and possessions than about heaven and hell combined. But too often we're overlooked or misunderstood in this most profound teaching on the topic of money. Today I'm not talking to you about money. Today I'm going to be speaking to you about generosity. Because when people think generosity, they think immediately that you're talking about money. So some of you are already putting your hands in your pocket just in case a dollar bill slipped out just because the preacher's talking about money. We're not talking about money today. Generosity is more than money. Generosity, biblical generosity is understanding stewardship and that of giving your time giving of your talents, and giving of your treasure. And so far from discouraging his followers from pursuing treasures, Jesus offers life-changing investment advice. Woo, you're getting investment advice today from Jesus himself. Not me, but from his word. Jesus has many titles within the scripture, doesn't he? He's known as the Son of God, but because of being a part of the Trinity, we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we know that Jesus was a fisherman, we know that Jesus was a carpenter, but did you know that Jesus was a financial advisor? Yes, he was. So today, I want you to get a glimpse into recognizing Jesus, the spiritual financial advisor. You say, how in the world is he a financial advisor? Well, I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, and verse number 19 to 21, and we're going to see exactly how Jesus was a financial advisor. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is giving us financial advice And he's encouraging the people of God, listen, store for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on this earth where moth and rust corrupts. Because if you store these things in heaven, those things cannot touch it. They're incorruptible. So I want to speak to you about three specific characters that we're going to look at. Acts chapter number four, last week we spoke very little on a man named Barnabas. Barnabas was known as the encourager. And in the latter portion of Acts chapter number four, we find out that there was biblical boldness and they began preaching the word and they began declaring with great boldness unto uh, the, the Gentiles and unto the people of the region, but then all of a sudden, it turns from biblical boldness and prayer into people being unified in the faith. And so, uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse number uh, 32, now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and one soul, no one said... I want you to underline something for me because in verse 32, it's going to speak on something that we're going to touch base on this morning. Now, the full number of those who believe were of one heart. Underline that word heart. One heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the disciples' feet, apostles' feet, and was distributed to each as any had need. And then the following verses talk about Barnabas who did the same thing but acknowledged him a little bit more. And then now we begin our continued Bible study of Acts chapter number five and let's let's look together in verse number one. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. We have Barnabas, Ananias, Sapphira. They sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself 
some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? There's that word again. Underline that word, heart. Filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back a portion of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? While it, why is it that you have contrived this deed in your, there's that word again, heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these things, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Interesting enough, just a few hours later, after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter said to her, tell me, whether you sold the land for so much, and she said, yes, for so much, but Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in and found her dead, they also carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Father, we pray that you would bless the moment that we have together. Lord, this entire service, it is being bathed in prayer because we know that only you can reveal yourself through your word and through your spirit because of your spirit. And so, Father, I pray that once again you would meet with us. Thank you for your people who have a desire and a hunger for the word of God. And we pray that right now you would illuminate our eyes and our heart to understand and receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I recognize that uh, not everyone knows who I am. My name is Chantha. I get to serve as one of the pastors, and it's uh, been a joy. And let's get right into it. So I want to speak to you about three things that are in regards to biblical generosity, because we find Barnabas, we find Ananias, and we find Sapphira, and these people did not have, while they had many things in common, they laid, their, they laid possessions and they laid finances at the apostles' feet, but there was a great distinction in Ananias and Sapphira and the, and the disciples that were following the Lord, and specifically with Barnabas. That was so very contrasting, and we need to understand the contrast of these folks. Ananias and Sapphira were Christians, but they were not living on the same spiritual level as the other Christians of the early church. You got to recognize that. We see that Barnabas did the exact same thing and sold all that he had to give his proceeds to the apostles uh, for the needs of others. The practice seemed very temporary in the church because later on we find that they didn't take those offerings only to fill the needs of the people, but later on they took the offering to meet the work of the ministry and to help serve the, 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 the pastors of the day as they were now establishing the church of God. They were now giving back to the storehouse in their tithe. An offering was given later on to recognize that they wanted to give out of the abundance of their generosity, abundance of their heart, and so they gave an offering. I want you to Understand something in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 8. It'll be on the screen. Each one must give, each of us, each one of us must give as we have decided in our heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. You'll notice that the word heart and the word grace is mentioned in this scripture, was mentioned in Acts chapter 4, and mentioned again in Acts chapter number 5, where your heart is, there's always a grace spirit of generosity, of thanksgiving that follows it right afterwards, and you can do that study. Our pastors have done a good job in outlining the book of Acts together. And verse number eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, he may abound in, you may abound in every good work. I want you to notice three things about biblical generosity. First of all, I want you to notice the enemy of generosity. 
Generosity has an enemy, and I want to raise my hand because I am an enemy of generosity. My soul is an enemy to generosity. My flesh is an enemy to generosity. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? My own heart is, uh, is an enemy of generosity. We have three parts of who we are. The Bible says that God has created, in his, uh, created us in his image. We are spirit. We are, uh, we are soul. That's our mind and our, our heart. That's the seat of our emotions. And then our body, our flesh. Those are our three-part beings of who we are. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Our spirit, if we are, have been, uh, if we are redeemed, the Bible says that we are justified. Our spirit has been justified and quickened. Romans says that we are made alive, justified in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we, our spirit is, is pure and holy and it's been redeemed unto God already. And then our soul, the Bible says that we are sanctified. Being sanctified is a process. It's a continual daily process. And did you know that your, your soul, your heart needs to be cleansed and sanctified. That's the sanctifying work of who we are. And then our body, our body one day will be glorified. So we have justified, we have sanctified, and one day our body, the Bible says that we will receive a new body. When we are in heaven, God will give us a new body. There will be no more sickness, no more disease, no more ugly word of cancer, because we will be in our resurrected body. We will have a new body, and I can't wait for that day. Because here on earth, as we deal with sickness, recently, one of our longtime church attendees for many, many years, John Law, who went home to be with the Lord here just a, uh, about a week and a half ago, he was fighting sickness. Many of our congregation members fight sickness, fight cancer, fight disease, and we pray God's healing, and God chooses to heal, and, and in his sovereignty, and in, in his goodness. But in our soulful nature, our heart has to be sanctified, because my heart will oftentimes deceive me on what is good and what is right. The Lord is concerned with our hearts. God does not bless giving. Rather, he blesses giving with a right heart attitude. It is true that when we give, we receive. However, we should not have that as our motivation for giving. We must deal with a selfish heart. Our, we have a depraved nature. And because of our depraved, sinful nature and our deceptive nature in our heart, we have to work on that. The enemy of generosity is our heart. Perhaps Ananias and Sapphira saw that the sacrificial giving of all the disciples, they recognized that maybe there was a certain amount of publicity, or perhaps they felt a little peer pressure, but they did not sell their land out of a pure motive and because of their heart. That's the distinction. Because of their heart, the disciples, the apostles knew it, God knew it, and they dealt with that. There was nothing wrong with keeping back of the proceeds. It wasn't, there was nothing wrong with keeping back the proceeds. It was when they acknowledged the sin was the fact that they said they were giving all when in fact they did not. Their hearts had deceived them because they wanted recognition. The enemy of generosity is our heart. We have to deal with the selfish heart. Did you ever have to teach your children how to be selfish? I have three boys. We were in the car this morning, and uh, Jordan was with us. He, Jordan's turning 16 next week, and my son Caleb's turning 16 here soon. And they're all together. And I remember early on, Susan, when the boys were together and playing, we had Lego sets for them. And they would play, and we got Caleb a lot of Lego sets, and, he's, and Corbin a Lego set. And did, did, they never had to, had to say the word mine. They never had to, had to get taught what is theirs. In their heart, they're possessive in our hearts. We're possessive, and we say mine very easily, don't we? I remember one time distinctly when Corbin was going to play with Carter, and Corbin grabbed something from Carter, and he yanked it, and he said, mine. And then I tried to mitigate the issue and the problem. I said, all right, Carter, here, you play with this instead. And sure enough, what did Corbin do? He dropped that 
mine toy that he was playing with, went over to Carter's other toy, grabbed it, and said, you guessed it, mine. Because children are selfish. Because in our human nature, we all are selfish. Mine. We don't have to teach children that. We have a selfish heart. It's always taking care of numero uno first. I got to take care of this guy. James 1:17 says, every good and every perfect gift from above is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. We have to deal with a selfish heart, but we have to deal with a grieving heart. Say, what do you mean? We shouldn't give and then grieve over that decision. I want you to write this statement down. Selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. (laughs) Have you ever felt like that before when all of a sudden you just, out of a heart of generosity, you gave and you're like, man, why did you just have to do that? You could have saved that for yourself. You could have done this with that. You could have done something else with that. Why did you give him $5 when you could have given him $1 or you could have given him (laughs) $4.99? We have to deal with a, not only a, a, a selfish heart, but we have to deal with a grieving heart because that's our heart. Our heart will just constantly deceive us. It ebbs and flows in a way that it attacks us before it attacks us afterward. We realize that we are simply stewards and simply, and everything belongs to the Lord anyways, and we will have a better perspective. I was so humbled. I've been here in Vero Beach, Florida now for uh, a year and one month. And we, my family and I moved here from Singapore. We were serving uh, overseas and we were grateful for it. And we came back to the United States. Each of us had two check-in luggage and a hand carry. So we all had three pieces of luggage each, times uh, five. That's 15 pieces of luggage. And we were moving back to the United States, and everything that we possess materialistically was in our suitcase. And the church family here, uh, we didn't have a car. We didn't have a home yet. We didn't have any furniture, none of that. And all of a sudden... We received news that people within the body started to care for us before we even got here. And we moved into a home and several ladies of our church, they went over. Have you ever seen the show Fixer Upper? Where they get to, they, they surprise you. And then, you know, the husband and wife stand there and then the big reveal and then the wife goes, And then tears start flowing, and you're like, oh, Hercules. You know, you're just so happy about it. And then you walk in, and you know your house, and then all of a sudden you see a new kitchen and a new this and a new that. Well, we had one of those type of experiences, a lady here in our church, and several ladies, they silverware, plates, beds, sheets, picture frames. I remember walking through our house and they had all of these things and I looked around the wall and I saw an American family in a picture frame. I said, they're not a part of our family. (laughs) And it's so wonderful. But what that moment was, was, was so special for us because it taught us something so wonderful about a heart of gratitude. We were so grateful that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. And God, out of his love for us, had provided for our family through family and friends here at Pathway Church. What a giving church. What a generous church. That week, that first week and the consequent weeks following, people would stop by and they would deliver a meal to us. That week, they would drop off groceries to us. We got pots and pans from friends that we were just getting to know. What a generous church. I remember my wife, I still have the video, and Susan was going around the room, and she was trying to hold it together, and tears are streaming down her face because God was so good. You see, when you start to recognize that the goodness of God is upon you. You can't help but bless others as well. And that's what this church has done. That's why we can have a Thanksgiving feast and 
meal and we can feed over 600 plus within the community because we have a generous people. That's why at one time in our church, we were giving away up to $900 a week in benevolence to care for this community. That's why we have a food pantry. That's why we partner with organizations, local organizations, even like the Buggy Bunch that care for the community and moms. Generosity goes a long way. We have to develop a grateful heart. We have to develop a grateful heart. If we allow God to remind us every now and then that we were once slaves and everything we have is only by his grace. A grateful heart is recognition that I didn't have much and everything that I have belongs to God. And God out of his goodness was the one who gave it to us. Then all of a sudden it's easy for us to now be grateful and express that to others as well. Giving is all about the heart. Joy-filled giving is what God desires from us. Jesus said, give, and it will be given back to you. This principle of giving applies to all areas of life. Genuine gratitude is powerful. The principle of giving applies to every area of life. Please make sure you understand that statement and do not see dollars. Giving is more than money. You see, as soon as someone says giving and you think of money, you might have to deal with the selfish heart because immediately you think of money. Giving is not about money. I can give someone my time and I didn't give them money. I can give them something materialistic and it doesn't have to be money. I can give someone my talent and I can give them something. You see, every believer We need to move to a level of our Christianity where we see beyond giving as finances. Well, pastor, why did you bother introducing the worship team last week, this week, all the volunteers? Because these people gave. You understand that? They gave. They're here. They practice during the week. They get together on Thursday and practice for two hours. Then on Saturday, they practice. Then on Saturday, they, 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 they serve and worship. Then on Sunday, they serve and worship. They'll be serving up to five different times just in practices and in exhibiting and offering themselves. Our children's ministry people, our safety volunteers all throughout, we give. If you are a believer, a child of God, and you've been a part of our church, and you've been a consumer... Maybe you need to deal with that heart where you need to say, you know what, I can give. I don't have much financially. Again, we're not even talking about finances. I can give of my talent, I can give of my time, and I can give of my treasure. There's different ways to give. And when the believer is filled with a heart of gratitude, he is biblically generous. I just want to give back. Give, and it will be given unto you. Pressed down, running over, will men give unto your bosom. He that waters himself also will be watered. Give. Giving is more than finances. If you are thinking that every single time you hear a pastor say give, and money just comes to your mind, you need to deal with a selfish heart. You need to deal with a a grievous heart. You need to deal with that heart that's not generous. A successful businessman right here in our church, ridden around with him many a times as we around, he'll drop me off at, at, uh, at home oftentimes. And there was a day when he wasn't doing too well financially. And he said, Chantha, I just gave everything to God. My wife and I just decided that we're gonna give everything to God. Nothing belongs to us. We gave of ourselves, we gave up our, uh, our business, and all of a sudden God began working in his business, and now his business is doing much, much better than it once during its early eight stages. Now they have trucks, now they have property, now they, their, their business is serving the community, and God is blessing them far abundantly than they expected. Why? Because there's a heart of generosity Give, and it shall be given unto you. 
we have to deal with the enemy of generosity, but now we've got to deal with the, let's look at the extravagance of generosity. They met the needs of the people. These early Christian disciples in the book of Acts 4 and the book of Acts 5, they gave, did you notice when we were reading, they sold their lands, they sold their houses, and gave the prophet, the proceeds is referring to the prophets, the prophets back to the work of the ministry and to fill the needs of the people. Extravagant. We're not talking about here, you know what, I'll just, I'll tip God. We have a lot of Christians that tip God. Good tippers. We go to church and determine whether or not the worship is good enough for God to receive a tip. We judge whether or not they have a a good children's program, and I'll tip the church. We determine whether or not the message was even good, and then that'll determine the size of my tip. You ever go to a restaurant and where you tip the waiter and the waitress? Yeah, they, they, they don't deserve my 15%. They don't deserve my 20%. They deserve less because of their service. God's not looking for a tip. Part of our giving of ourselves is part of obedience, and it's a part of our worship. Giving is an attitude of the heart. It acknowledges that everything belongs to God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God, the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation. It rains on the just and on the unjust. His blessings are on all of us. They met the needs of the people. That's the extravagance of their generosity. What is the extravagance of your generosity been like? Are you holding back on God because you're holding back on someone? I'm not giving because of that person. I'm not giving because of that program. I'm not giving because I just, I just don't think that they deserve it. Giving is not a transaction between you and I. Giving is a transaction, excuse me, giving is a transaction between you and God. And it's a matter of the heart. I can give outwardly, and it might be a transaction between you and I because you see it. But remember, God does not look on the outward. He looks on the heart. That's why the woman with two mites gave so much. Because God, the Pharisees were like, you know what? Oh, it's time for that offering. Let me grab my wallet. And um, I'm going down over and, (laughs) oh, my goodness, it's time to give an offering again. But the woman with the two mites, it was just between her and the Lord, and it was all that she had, and she humbly gave it unto the Lord because it was a transaction of her heart to the Father's heart. What's your transaction with the Father lately in your giving? Do you serve because someone sees you? Do you serve because you're not known? It's all of your heart. You have to deal with the extravagance. You see, when you give out of the abundance of your heart, the Bible says, uh, out of the abundance of their generosity, out of the abundance of your heart, then you recognize the word abundance is out of your extravagance. I extravagantly. When Mary washed the feet of Jesus with the perfume, did she just dab? (laughs) That's not the right dab. I know. I'm sorry. Did, did she just like, just, you know, it, this is, this is spikenard. This is costly. Let me just give you, give you a little dab. Women, do you ever take your perfume and just dab? We're not dabbing. Mary, the Bible says she gave it and she broke it. 
That's extravagant. One year's wage, Mike Pickerel. That's amazing. You've got to test the generosity of your heart. It's not, giving is not a transaction between you and I. Giving is a transaction between your heart to God's heart. Giving out of the extravagance. We started a ministry overseas called SEAL Network. Churches in third world countries and second world countries. We started an orphanage in Nepal and in India and other, in Myanmar. When we were starting our ministry in Myanmar, we needed $10,000 because one of the things that God gave our, our, our leadership was that we were going to help the, the Myanmar pastors be self-sustaining by opening up a water purification business so that out of the business, it can sustain the whole pastor. We had 15 pastors that we wanted to, uh, to help them and their family and their ministry. So part of the network was to say, all right, if we can raise $10,000, we'll start a, a water business. And wouldn't you believe it? Our churches began raising money for it. That $10,000 was met out of the churches in Asia. We had our ministry friends in Cambodia needed $5,000. Our church in China gave $5,000 to it. Just two months ago, we were on hold with our orphanage um, building. We finally are building an orphanage dormitory for our children in Nepal. And our church in China friends, they said, Chantha, we're going to raise money in China. And we're going to give $10,000 towards that orphanage project. U.S. Not pesos, not UNs, dollars. That's the heart of extravagance. You say, where did they learn that? Because they recognized that all of a sudden these early Christians, just like they're now early Christians in that part of the world, a heart of generosity was coming out of them. Now that they're receiving the fullness of grace and the fullness of God, they wanted to bless others as God has now blessed them. But you see, in America, when we start holding on to things, I want you to take your hands out. I want you to just open it like that. Now I want you to close it. It's hard for God to bless a closed hand. Open your hands. It's easy to give away, but it's also easy for God to put, on, put in your hands as well. Simple illustration, but remember it. Extravagance. The lastly is the reward of generosity. The reward of generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the liberal soul. The word liberal is very extravagant. The, the word liberal is, is very easygoing, not, one that's not holding on. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that waters himself also will be watered. I love that word, the liberal soul shall be made fat. We were, cultures are so much different. In America, we want to be skinny and thin, right? But in, in many parts of Asia, when you are healthy. <laughs> when you're healthy, it is a, and, and I'll just use the, the term that's used here, when you are fat, if you will, they actually will compliment you. And so when someone in Asia says, oh man, you're getting fat. And sometimes they'll poke your belly. <laughs> I kid you not. Isn't that true, Susan? They'll poke your belly and they say, oh, you're getting fat. That's actually not a criticism. They're actually complimenting you. Susan had a hard time. I had a hard time watching all these people like we're thinking we're cringing. Like people, our church members would say, oh, you're getting fat. And then they would smile. <laughs> I dare you to say that to someone in America. It doesn't work like that. But the, do, you, do you ever see that the picture of Buddha? Is he skinny? He's fat. It means he's prosperous because the fatter you are, especially in developing countries, if you're fat, that means you have the means to eat. That means you have a lot. So in their mind, they think, oh, man, you're so fat. You're so blessed and so rich. 
Ever so, I mean, in, in, in Asia, in America, we say hashtag blessed. In Asia, they're probably hashtag I'm fat. <laughs> it's different. But the liberal soul will be blessed. He that waters himself also will be watered. Luke 6, 38, give, and it will be given to you. That's the reward of generosity. Because sowing, once you sow, the Bible says you'll always sow what you reap. You sow generosity, you'll reap generosity. You do good, good measure. God knows your measure. Press down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with what measure you meet it, you'll be measured back to you. That means if you're always judging. If you, you ever measure a cup, all right? And then if you've ever one of those people that don't really measure, and you just take it by the spoon in hand, and your eye is the measure, that's a liberal soul. They don't really measure. They don't really keep track. Ever have a friend that says, remember when I did that for you? They're keeping track. They're measuring. But when you get to the spirit of generosity, you don't even measure. But in the biblical context, for whatever your measure is, that is what you're going to receive as well will be measured back to you. So if you're liberal and you're like, man, it, go ahead. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Whatever is, is mine. My wife will tease me and she'll say, Whatever is yours is mine, and whatever my, is mine is mine. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous, and this is what I want to speak to, and, uh, to you on for just a moment and close the message. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Remember I was telling you earlier, your, your giving transaction is not between you and I. Your giving transaction is between you and God. According to this verse here, it even takes it a step further. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to who? God. And did you know that God, you cannot outgive God? Try it. I dare, I double dog dare you. To put God to the test. The book of Malachi says, put God to the test. Prove me therewith, says the Lord. Prove it. Show me. Test me. You cannot outgive God. You can't. I remember on many occasions we put God to the test. And every single one God has shown us that he loves us far beyond we love him. Our giving, when we give to the poor, we are lending to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Chantha, why do you have all these bins up here? Our church, on a given week, we average $500 in loose offering. Loose offering means that um, it's not designated. It's not um, towards uh, your tithe or towards anything like that. It's just... Uh, Pennies and dollar bills and $5 bills, we have $500. And I asked the pastors, and I said, guys, this week, I know our church, you heard Pastor Michael, we've been down $5,000 every single week over the course of many months. And that's in our new adjusted budget that's decreased 25 to 30%. That's pretty significant. And I said, guys, would you just pray with me? God's put a burden on my heart. In the book of Acts chapter 4 and Acts 5, they gave all the proceeds to meet the needs of the people. Within our congregation right now, there are family members. You might be sitting to, next to someone that you don't even know. They have a great financial need. Right now, there are 46 there are 41 people that are in need of our benevolence here at Pathway Church. That's significant. Right now, the average need is about $650. 
A few years ago, our church was giving $900 in benevolent contribution a week. Now our church gives $100 a week. We have a food pantry ministry, Bag Hunger Food Pantry. They give out 75 boxes a week, helping 225 people with food. They pray for the hurting. They distribute Bibles. They give the Jesus film away. They share hygiene supplies, toothbrush, deodorants, etc. Our food pantry is funded with over and above, not in your general giving on, in our tithes, over and above all that. We have people that give to that. Approximately $800 a month is purchased just so that we can stock that. And right now, during the holidays, our supply is very low, very low. And people of Indian River County are in need of Pathway Church family to help and contribute. We partner with Buggy Bunch I was sharing with you, our food pantry, our benevolence ministry, families within the church right now that our church benevolent team, we have a lay benevolent team that just prays over how we can help people. What we have, we are able to just distribute every, every single time we're able to do it. These buckets here, I was so blessed. gift. Oh, how extravagant. And I said, Lord, whatever we have, whatever is in these bins right here is not for the church general. It is only going to meet the needs of this community. And I, along with the pastors, we just felt like this would, would honor God. What a time of the year to do that. We're going to not I'll just use the term. We're not going to be selfish, trying to take care of our general fund. We're just wanting to bless people. What if we became the church that was just known to be a blessing and God was able to honor and glorify himself through a people that were blessed to be a blessing? What if we just worked on our grievous heart our generous heart, all those things that we talked about. And we just became the church that was generous. And remember, generosity is not money, time, talent, treasure. Where's your heart of generosity? We're gonna have a response time. And here's how it's gonna go. Pastor Randy's gonna sing. It's a beautiful song. We're all gonna stand to our feet. As God would lead you, not out of compulsion, not out of, uh, out of necessity, but as God works in your heart, whatever's in these bins here, we're just going to give unto the Lord. Not in our tithes and offerings. We're just going to do that uh, in our extravagant giving here. And we're going to meet as many needs as we can. And we're just going to be a blessing to meet the needs. Just like in the New Testament church, Acts 4. Acts 5 and they there was not anybody within the community of brethren that had a need and they filled it you read the book of Acts 4 and 5 and you'll see exactly that that's what we're going to do today let's all stand to our feet shall we and just out of a time of reverence so that we can honor each other and honor the Lord let's just bow our heads And as God would lead you in your wallet, in your purse, loose change, loose dollars, whatever, that's between you and God. That's not, that's not up to me. Would you just say, you know what, I want to I give unto the Lord. He that meets the needs of the needy lends to the Lord. God will always repay you and care for you. Father, bless this time. And Lord, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for the privilege of allowing us to work on our own heart and now to put into practice the principles that we are learning about. 
Lord, maybe this week it's not about money for us. We just need to, we need to partner with you in our generosity and give back to the kingdom through serving. And somebody needs to sign up for worship. Somebody needs to sign up to be an usher. Somebody needs to sign up to worship in our children's, to, to minister in our children's program. Somebody may need to say, you know what, I, I want to be a part of the safety team. That's between you and the Lord. The heart of generosity is between you and God. So, Father, I pray that you would bless the people of God who are generous back to you. Bless them. A deliberate soul will be made fat. We honor you in this time. We love you. Nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. 
There's nothing I hold on to. Tell him, sing that, church. There's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. There's nothing I hold on to. much it is it doesn't matter but we're going to pray that song as a prayer to God take it make something beautiful out of it and help people within this community holy hands before the Lord would you just open it unto the Lord father our hands are open and we have laid it at your feet for you are worthy and father would you make something beautiful out of this would you multiply this offering? And Lord, would you increase it so that we can be a blessing to others? Thank you for a church that was able to live out what we just learned. We love you and we thank you for the privilege that we have in entering into sacred partnership with you. We worship you, we adore you, and this we lay before you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you folks. Be sure to stop by our connection uh, tables and all the ministry areas. Have a blessed week. We love you.